0: Good morning and welcome, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across the Faith FM network. Positively different radio in the morning, and you are with Lyle
1: and. Maddie, good morning, Lyle. How are you doing, Mat- this morning? I'm doing? I'm doing great this morning. Fantastic. Yeah, it was. Wasn't it an awesome weekend? We had a long weekend. We did. And that's what I'm grateful for this morning, the long weekend. It was fantastic. Yeah. There you go. I'm grateful for Australia. Oh, mate. We, we, we
0: live in the lucky country.
1: It is, it is a lucky country, isn't it?
0: Indeed. Yeah. Spent yeah.
1: The, some time at the beach with the family, went kayaking on the lake. It's a beautiful region for it as well.
0: See, this is, this is you know, the quintessential Australia Day right there. Mm. Take the family to the beach, go kayaking on the lake. It's summertime, the weather is warm, life is good. All kinds of good things happening. So, I'm guessing
1: yeah. you're grateful for the same thing.
0: Uh, well, I, we, we went to, well, we went to the beach as well, but we went down to Sydney, celebrated Australia Day on the harbour. Nice. Um, there's a whole bunch of events happening on the harbour. They had, um, you know, F-18 Super Hornets flying over and that always um, is just spectacularly awesome. They had, you know, Navy ships and Black Hawk helicopters and cannons firing and it was just the best thing ever. Wow. Sydney doesn't disappoint, does it? Nope. Never does. Never does. Big crowd of boats on the harbour, of course. Very, very busy waterway. In fact, the busiest, I think it was the busiest I've ever seen it. I, I've never seen quite a traffic jam. We caught the uh, Manly Ferry. And as we were heading across the harbour, we were kind of stopped for maybe 10 or 15 minutes just because of the volume of traffic. And I've never seen the Manly, you know, the Sydney Harbour ferries. Uh, everyone gives way to Sydney Harbour ferries. That's that's the, the local, you know, in-house rules for Sydney Harbour. Um, you know, every, it's just, you know, sailing boats Every kind of watercraft gives way to Sydney Harbour ferries But it was just too thick they just, There was just no way of, of, of bullying their way through They just had to
1: stop and hold station and wait Well, the ferries are probably the biggest vessels out there I'd, I'd get out of the way if I saw a ferry car Yes, however, um,
0: it was dwarfed by HMAS Canberra yeah, so that was out on the harbour doing its thing. Um, there was a big cruise ship in the middle of the harbour just lying at anchor. Right. I, I, I thought that might have been moving at some stage, but then we saw the anchor chain was down, so it was just sort of just sitting there in the middle of the harbour enjoying everything that was happening. Very so, nice yeah, place. it was it was a happening place. So, coming up in the news this morning, we're going to be talking about the biggest myth about willpower.
2: child
0: Josie Minicus here on The Breakfast Show. Time for our quiz, first quiz of the week.
1: Maddie, what have you got for us there? Who am I? I said, does our law condemn anyone without first hearing him to find out what he's doing?
0: Okay, dokey Thinking, I'm going to, I'm going to think, I'm going to think on that one for a moment and then it's going to come to me. It's just sort of there in the ether, just past my fingertips, but it's going to arrive in just a moment
1: and then I'll write it down. But anyway, if you, um, while we're doing that, if you are sharper, if you're more awake than Lyle this morning, just, uh, call in 1 800 324 843 or message us on the text line 0491 064 and let us know if you know the answer to the quiz
0: absolutely give us a call right now and uh there'll be double prizes coming your way if you can get there before i do if not single prizes okay uh
1: maddie what have we got for positively different news this morning this long weekend's been a, a big one for news i think yeah we've had kobe bryant we've had coronavirus we've had donald trump you know donald trump's just a continual thing isn't it <laughs> yeah <laughs> donald trump is always a news there. item yep. um, but there's been a couple of really cool things that have that have happened over the weekend um Probably, uh, what one that impressed me most is a a young eleven year old boy, um, Murtaza Hussein. He's an Afghan refugee in Australia that uh, decided to donate all his pocket money to the bushfire appeal. Uh, now, this is this is interesting because this boy has lost his family members in a suicide bo- bomb bombing back in Pakistan. He's from Afghanistan, spent time in Pakistan before uh, migrating here with his. Uh, father and some siblings. And uh, yeah, he he's uh, lost his own mother and a sibling in a bombing, uh, relocated to Australia, and he's donating all the pocket money that he's, that he's getting to the bushfire appeal, which I thought was really fantastic. He's this 11-year-old boy. Yeah, what a great example right there.
0: I mean, he, he understands what loss is probably a lot more than the average Australian.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And uh, this is part of a... Um, a larger support from the um afghan community here in australia uh they have the afghan community have donated about fifty thousand dollars to the bushfire recovery oh, that's fantastic and uh obviously this is part of uh of that initiative there but yeah look i think when things like this happen and uh, and the country goes through difficult situations it is an opportunity for the rest of us Uh, That we don't have, we we don't always have the opportunity to to help those around us, particularly like we were saying before, Lyle, in a country so um, affluent as Australia, Mm, yeah, yeah, to support the people around us, to yeah, and it's also an opportunity. I
0: see a great opportunity here for you know marginalised members of our community to really do something positive because. You know, a, a disaster like this strikes, So, give you the opportunity to do something positive and to reframe in many people's minds the prejudices that may already exist. Exactly, yep. You know, so you get the Afghan community that gets together. Of course, there's a lot of prejudice against the Afghan community, against Muslims in particular because of events that have taken place in the Middle East and in other locations around the world. Hey, guys, this is your opportunity to step out and show, you know, we're not like that. We're different from that, you know, and and to introduce yourselves to other Australians and to say, you know, this is this is who we are. We are uh, people who are, um,
1: <coughs> we, we are people who are, you know, really focused on doing good things in the world. Yeah, yeah. So massive thank you to the um, Afghan Hazara community for rallying together with with Australians here. Um, yeah, look, I think for. Um, We've got a continual opportunity here in Australia we have for the last few years to support those around us and that's um, with the droughts. You know, that that hasn't let up. We do have some good news over the weekend. We've had a lot of rainfall in Queensland, which has been fantastic. Ah, praise God. Um, we've had roads being cut off, but it's still patchy according to, to the farmers out west and there's also dangers of flash flooding, as as we know, with a lot of rain after a long drought um, where the vegetation has has died off you've also we had We had 37 millimetres out our way over the week. Okay. it's Really, really,
0: really nice. But as you say, Patchy, because neighbouring suburbs had like four
1: millimetres. Yes. And up in Queensland, we've had um, areas that have had 120 mil and then five kilometres away, they've only had like 15, 15 20 mil. So. Mm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but particularly throughout New South Wales, there are so many towns that, could do our help right now there are towns that have actually run out of water uh, and i just want to mention a whole um, list of names of towns that have actually run out of water on air just to keep them in the back of your mind because if you are connected with these towns if you have the opportunity to help firsthand they really need our help right now and the, with the most um precious resource that we have which is water uh there are many different organizations that are helping to to take water out there but this is something that will be you know you can choose you can choose how you want to support these areas but it's good to remember these so in queensland these are these are towns that have either completely run out of water or they're on their last three months of water supply so they're just good to have top of mind in queensland we've got miriam vale cambuya clifton stanthorpe inglewood um, banganya and in new south wales we've got Mungindi, um Colorambri, Walgett, Byrock, Coolabar, Nymerjee, Tottenham, Firefield, Mount Hope, Eukarina, Morarundi, Oxley, Carabagal, Bimbi, Tirana, Braidwood, Delegate, and Girilambone. And then we've also got Scott Descone in in South Australia and Denmark in WA. So, look, if you are somehow linked to these communities or you have the opportunity to help these communities, these guys have completely run out of water, this is the time for us to... To step up and support these guys in in, in these communities. So yeah, I mean, this is bizarre.
0: Have we ever had a list of towns like that? Have we ever actually had major towns that have run out of water before? Yeah, you know, and I've never heard of I've never heard of that before. And you know, we've got the we've got another um, heat wave hitting this weekend. You know, right across the uh, east coast of Australia. So um, you know, some more hot temperatures. Nothing that we can't handle as Aussies, but it's a bit hard to handle it without mm-hmm. water.
1: Yeah. So whatever you. Whatever you've got on, nothing's more important than finding a way to support these guys through this time. And if you, I could double this list by um, looking at the names of towns that are on their last six months or the last 12 months of water. So... The drought's very widespread and um, we need to pray for more rain like we've just received over the weekend yeah. all over the state. We
0: need we need it consistent because, you know, you get some rain like we've had, you know, we had 37 millimetres and it sort of feels like, oh, great, the drought is broken. No, the drought is broken kind of over the top of your house and a few <laughs> kilometres either side of it and the rest of Australia is still in severe drought and we need to remember that.
1: And out of these times come some of the most creative ways to um, to solve solutions, to, to um Yeah, to help each other. So let's encourage that.
0: We do, we do. We need to um, start getting into water recycling. Uh, Big, big proponent Mm. of uh, recycling water. So much easier to clean recycled water than it is to clean ocean water. So much less uh, energy involved. So much less coal being burnt to recycle water. Australians just need to get their heads around it, the rest of the world does it, why don't we do it? Yep, yep. We just have a we just have a mental block against drink drinking recycled water. Once water has been purified, it is H two O. It is not H two O plus a million viruses
1: and bugs and bacteria. It's just <laughs> you know Yeah, yeah. There is another good good news story, we've got a couple more minutes um, of time. Um, woolies. Has uh, decided to recycle or use some of their overripe banana stock, which would normally go to landfill, to bake banana bread, and a lot of the proceeds from the from that product will go out um, to residents in need, residents struggling with the doubts uh, droughts. Farmers they are partnered with the organisation called Oz Harvest to um, to support in that way. So yeah, if uh,
0: if you go, go to Woolies, go, and go, and go to buy go
1: buy some banana bread. You see well, I work, banana bread. At Woolies. Yeah. Woolies, that's what they're there for.
0: We work with Oz Harvest uh, quite extensively with our um, food rescue and food pantry programs that mm-hmm. um, you know happen you know right across Australia in many places. We have one taking place.
1: Um, at Gilliston Heights on a Thursday, you have one at Hamilton, I understand, yes. on a Thursday evening, is it? Yes, and we've yep. just made the decision at Hamilton to adopt um, Glen Innes, Glen Innes uh, Adventist Church and the food hub there, are doing a great work to support that region. That's a fire-stricken, drought-stricken region in uh, New South Wales. So the Hamilton Food Pantry and the fa- Hamilton Adventist Church will be supporting, fundraising and... Um, oh. Um, helping to support the the, the food hub in England is there so that 's that 's another great thing that you can do as part of your church community. if you have a church community, adopt a church out there mm-hmm. because on the ground, those churches can get out into the community and really help They know the people who who are in desperate need uh, or who are' in most need and um, and they, they can be the hands and feet on on the ground so by partnering up, you can do a great work there
0: yeah, absolutely, yeah, definitely. Anyway, we're going to finish up this uh, little section right here. Um, coming up right now, we're going to listen to Anna Weatherup, one of our local artists from the Hunter region. And she's... God sent his son.
3: They called him Jesus. He came to love. Heal and forgive. Heal and- I'm not
0: You're listening to our very own Anna Weather Up with Because He Lives. This is The Breakfast Show, and we're about to have the second clue for our quiz. What have you got for us there, Maddie?
1: Who am I? All right, here we go. Joseph of Arimathea and I took Christ's body and wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen.
0: Okay, so, yep. that Lyle has
1: a name. Is
0: available for single prizes, prizes only. All right. Um, okay, so in more serious uh, news from around the world, some new research has just come out from uh, Georgetown University in the United States, uh, headed up by Helena uh, Kekmanovic, I think, or Kesmanovic. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce her last name. Um, revealing what is the biggest myth about willpower, Maddie. What is the biggest the myth? The biggest myth about, about willpower is that some people have more willpower than others. They've actually, they've actually uh, um, shown that everybody has more or less the same when it comes to willpower. It's just uh, the difference actually comes down to not how much willpower you are born with, but there is a key difference between people. Um, so, if, you know, people who are good at self-control and people who are not good at self-control. There's no such thing as, um, you know, superhuman people who are super good at self-control there is just people who are good cop this at forgiveness all right <laughs> you never saw the connection no, between it, those two before no, did you no. okay so basically it comes down like this you get some people who um who are very black and white in their approach very unforgiving because mm. the more uh, black and white a person is the more uh, you know unforgiving they are and what happens is As human beings, because we are human beings, we fail. It's called the human factor. All humans are going to fail at some particular point. And so, when a black and white unforgiving person fails, they collapse. Okay. Because they don't forgive themselves. And so, for instance, let's say they've decided, okay, I'm going to to give up alcohol. Mm -hmm. And they they, they fail. They, they, They open a bottle of alcohol or they walk into the pub and they have a glass. And then they sit there and they're super discouraged because they do not forgive themselves. And because they're not forgiving themselves, it's like, well, what's the point? And they just drink the whole bottle. Whereas a person who can forgive themselves can say, I've failed. I need to forgive myself and I need to move on. Now, this is very interesting because when you look at it in the context of, uh, say, 1 John 1, 9, where the Bible says, um, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Think about this. How many times have you, and I know I can speak for myself, you know, done a really bad sin mm-hmm. and felt really, really gutted by the fact that I've let the Lord down, I've sinned, um, and just feel terrible about it um, and ask forgiveness for that sin And then, you know, half hour later, I remember that sin again and ask forgiveness again. The next day, I remember that sin and ask forgiveness again. You know, what's going on there? Mm -hmm. You know, every time you remember that sin, like, you know, oh, I did that terrible sin 10 years ago. Lord, please forgive me for having done that sin, you know, 10 years ago. The Lord forgave you 10 years ago. (laughs) He forgave you the moment you asked forgiveness. You just haven't forgiven yourself. Mm -hmm. And science has now discovered that the ability to be able to forgive yourself is critical to being able to overcome.
1: Very interesting.
0: And so, and what now, here's where it goes a step further. People who are good at forgiving others are good at forgiving themselves.
1: Yeah, I can see that. Yep.
0: Okay, so if, uh, so so basically the whole, the whole basis for this is being able to, one of the things that we need to work on to increase our self-control is to work on our level of forgiveness.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So if we can forgive other people, we can forgive ourselves. If we can forgive ourselves, then we can you know, pick ourselves back up out of the gutter, so to speak, and go back to the Lord when we fall off the wagon and are struggling with self-control. So really interesting research that, uh, that they've come out with here, uh, particularly in the, um, in the aspect of forgiveness. Okay, so um, a, couple of, uh, a couple of pointers that, um, that the researchers have brought out as far as uh, self-control goes. Uh, look for the triggers. Um, And so, for instance, not buying a product is much easier to deal with than once you've bought it, not eating it. For instance, if you're trying to give up something you're eating, just don't buy it in the first place. It's not in the fridge. You're not going to eat it. And uh, it's easier not to buy than not to eat. Uh, Set achievable goals. So don't uh, try and tackle all of your issues at once. Um, replace bad things with good things, things that uh, you are going to enjoy. And if you find that, okay, I'm going to replace, you know, this bad thing with this good thing and then you're not enjoying it, find something else that you do do, do enjoy to replace um, that with. Uh, have a support group. So your best support group is uh, obviously friends followed by, you know, actual support groups with actual people who are in your area uh, followed by online support groups. You are one hundred times more likely to do something if you have a friend who is doing it as well. There you go. Okay. Um, Recognise that you will fail. You are going to fall off the wagon at times, and put in place a strategy of how you're going to deal with that when that happens. How you're going to uh, find forgiveness and jump back up. You know, this is why the why the Bible says a righteous man falls seven times and he gets back up again. The difference between the righteous man and the wicked man is the one who gets back up Um, and take small steps because if you take small achievable steps, what you do is you build confidence in your ability to uh, have self-control. So there's some interesting research coming out of the University of Georgetown in the United States. Okay, let's uh, continue on and uh, let's talk about this story here. This is a doozy, Matty. Have you ever used... Christianese, out of context... And been incredibly embarrassed by being misunderstood. Now, by Christianese, I'm talking about you know that language that we use as Christians, which is unique to Christians, and may even be unique to our church. But nobody else out there in the broad, wide
1: world has the foggiest idea what we're talking about. So you just say something like, um, you know, he's using the word sanctification in a in in a conversation in, in, in a, a r- secular conversation, <laughs> and they're like, no, what? <laughs> yes, yeah, set apart for a holy purpose. <laughs> okay, so. So, um, yes, I think we've we've all sort of stepped into that at, at some point, particularly if you've uh, grown up in the church.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, presidential spiritual advisor Paula White has just done a massive one. Did you hear oh, about this one? No. Okay, so this is uh, in the United States, and where she prayed, "quote We command all satanic pregnancies to miscarry right now." Whoa. Okay, now think, about that. <laughs> think about that. This is not a <laughs> phrase that we use in our church. Okay. Yep. And so our initial interpretation of that is that she's pray- she thinks that some people are pregnant with demons and she's praying for women to miscarry those demons before they're born. That's what came to mind when I heard that. <laughs> and of course you can imagine how this has gone on Twitter mm, mm. as the, uh, the the entire secular world has misunderstood it. Okay, so she comes from a uh, charismatic Pentecostal church which uh Does it is heavily involved in spiritual warfare, and the term satanic pregnancies refers to demonic plans in conception?
1: So that's the actual
0: definition of what she was talking about. (laughs) But you can imagine how that one uh, has gone around the world in a very short space of time um, with a lot of, um, yeah, people completely misunderstanding. The, uh, the entire situation. Anyway, a um, couple of quick comments on the coronavirus it's now spread to 18 countries, Twenty, with a further 22 countries uh, suspected of having coronavirus. Part of the challenge with uh, containing this virus is that the symptoms range from being mildly unwell to feeling like you've got the flu to being in intensive care and on death's door. It has a 14, up to 14-day incubation period before you get symptoms during which you are infectious. Um, And the average so far from infection to diagnosis is 10 days. Oh, wow. So that gives this virus a lot of
1: opportunity to spread like wildfire. You have no idea you're carrying it. It's hard to diagnose. Yes.
0: There are over 2,000 confirmed cases so far, but the World Health Organization believes there's actually around about 26,000 cases. Um, I think we're up to, what, four or five cases here in Australia so far. Uh, that 26,000 figure was off January 26th was their estimation. Um, and, of course, China is throwing $13 billion at this. Um, Donald Trump has offered to unite all of the resources of the United States with China to try and fight this particular virus. Anyway, this is Andrew Peterson.
4: God, a voice of love and thunder deep. With love he means to save us all.
0: Okay, everybody, you're listening to the breakfast show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia. Joining us on the phone this morning, all the way from the United States, is Jennifer Jill Schwerzer. Jennifer, welcome to the show.
5: It's good to be here.
0: Now, Jennifer, we've spoken on Faith FM before while you were here in Australia, um, and we heard you know some of your story and what you were doing. Uh, but you've just recently released a new book, 13 Correct. Weeks to Joy. What was Correct. the inspiration for this book?
5: Well, I have a series of books. This is actually the third in a series. The first one was 13 Weeks to Peace, which was pretty much focused on psychology, like individual mental health. And then 13 Weeks to Joy was the sequel to that, and it focused on relational health and i thought it would be nice to have a third component so i could have love joy and peace so i have uh, so i included joy and this one if i could describe it in a nutshell it would be focused on how to be as happy as we can possibly be in this sin saturated planet i mean it's just a book on how to improve your mood and your outlook on life and and generally about emotion but in particular, how to kind of cope with the difficulties of life and move your emotions in the most positive direction possible.
0: Hmm. Okay, so what kind of a person is going to benefit the most from this book?
5: Well, okay, I do a seminar that goes along with each of my books, and so I titled them something similar to the book. I don't want to call the seminar 13 weeks because then people will think that they're going to be there for 13 weeks. But... I usually call the seminar something that relates to the book. So 13 Weeks to Peace is Finding Peace. 13 Weeks to Love, this accompanying seminar is To Love and Be Loved. And this one, 13 Weeks to Joy, I'm going to call this seminar Getting High God's Way.
0: <laughs> okay. That like sounds – yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that one.
5: So the kind of people that would benefit from this are the type that like to get high, if I could put it that way.
0: <laughs> yep. and
5: uh... <laughs> <laughs> But, but, but not, don't like not... the – don't like the bad side effects of Uh getting high the wrong way.
0: (laughs) Yeah, fantastic. Okay, so um, now, Jennifer, just uh, if you could, we have had you on the show before, but uh, we have a lot of listeners who probably possibly would have missed that. Can you give us a little bit of your background as to uh, how you became involved in writing these kinds of books, doing these kinds of seminars?
5: Sure. I've been writing for many years, but I'm also a licensed professional counselor. That happened about 13 years ago. And I started a private practice after I graduated school. And I decided to write some books on mental health. So that's where that came from.
0: Okay, so with the uh, with the the latest installment of your, uh, I guess we could call it a trilogy, could we? Um, yeah, peace, love and joy. Um, you mentioned, you know, people that are you know that want to get high, but without this bad side effects, so you can get high on joy right here um, through the, the, the steps that are outlined in this book. Um, how Kinda, big of an yeah. issue? Sorry,
5: kind of,
1: yeah,
0: kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in our world today, and particularly where you, you come from, obviously you're dealing with a lot of uh, depression and those kind of you know anxiety, that kind of thing. How big of an issue is yeah. that? Say, for instance, in the United States these days,
5: depression. The depression has been declared by the World Health Organization as, I can't remember how they word it, but it's something like the most significant health crisis in the world right now.
0: Wow.
5: Um, anxiety is actually more common, to be diagnosed with anxiety is actually more common than depression. It's about a third of people that have a diagnosable anxiety disorder at some point in their lifetime and depression is about 20%. So that just gives you, and those are the two big diagnoses, by the way. If you're going to take all the things that come into the mental health system, the types of diagnosis, the vast majority of them are going to be anxiety or depression. And then there's a separate kind of block, and that's addiction. But anxiety and depression, in terms of standalone mental health issues, those are the two big hitters, and they're extremely prevalent. I mean, they're just, they're really pandemic. Mm -hmm
0: and it just strikes me that when i see a book that is you know 13 weeks to joy this would be the ideal kind of book that a person could you know read and really benefit from who is suffering from anxiety and depression
5: i think so i think yes that i mean that's where i'm aiming and so just to give you an idea of the types of things i address um i have a sh- chapter called such a shame that deals with shame i have another chapter called radical security that deals with forming secure relationships and being secure in our relationship to God. I have another one about more like about human relationships called the power of belonging. I have a chapter called post-traumatic growth, which deals with when people go through a traumatic experience, the potential for experiencing growth as a result of that. Because a lot of what's happening today is as we become more knowledgeable about the things that harm us in terms of mental health, people can develop secondary disturbance where they start feeling like, man, I'm I'm traumatized I have I have trauma. It's gonna ruin me, mm-hmm. you know. So what I'm doing is I'm trying to take some of those negatives and show the potential built right into the negatives for actually experiencing deeper, um, more more profound emotions of joy mm-hmm. and positivity as a result of those negative things. So I'm trying to give people a good, solid scientific and theological basis from which they can experience positive emotion. Sounds
2: really good.
0: Right here in Australia mm-hmm. right now, we have a lot of people who are suffering trauma as a result right, of the bushfire crisis. Right, because the
5: fires. Oh, yes.
0: Uh, you know, more than, more than 2,000 homes that have been lost. You know, the, the list could go on and on. Traumatic experiences, quite a number of lives that have been lost. Um, oh, yeah. What would you, are, are we going to expect over the next months, years to see people dealing with uh, depression, post-traumatic stress, et cetera, as a result of that?
5: Yes, you're going to have trauma. People are going to be very um, triggered by things that remind them of the fires, depending on how in danger their lives were. Post-traumatic stress disorder is diagnosed when a person has literally confronted death and either their life has been um, uh, their safety or their life is in one way or another been uh, threatened. And so people it's thought that the memories don't process thoroughly and the mind keeps trying to bring them back into conscious awareness so that that person can process the memory. That's what PTSD is. And that's why people get flashbacks and nightmares and this type of thing. So you're probably gonna have people with some of those symptoms. And I don't think it would be a bad thing at all for there to be um, some – well, I'm sure this, I'm sure Australia will implement some measures that they can, you know, offer to the general population where people can have group therapy and individual therapy and ways of sort of heading the problems off of the past because long-term untreated post-traumatic stress disorder can drive people to alcohol and all kinds of other negative things. You know, trauma tends to be the mother of a lot of different mental health disorders, like depression, like anxiety, like OCD. Oftentimes, when I'm talking to people that have those conditions, we'll trace it back to when it began and find out it started with a trauma. So trauma's a big hitter, and and I'm sure that Australia will be implementing some things to help people prevent long-term post-traumatic stress
0: yeah the, I hope they are the, the federal government's actually talked about uh, tipping in $76 dollars to um, to mm-hmm. deal with mental health issues here in Australia you know particularly mm-hmm. in the in the wake of these fires and it mm-hmm. just strikes me that you know a, a resource like this thirteen weeks to joy um, that lays out step by step how you can you know work from a place of not having joy to a place of having joy would be a great mm-hmm. resource that um, that people could use at a time like this. It would be
5: awesome. Um, yeah, and I what I do, the very first chapter is called The Odyssey. So like sort of sounds like the Odyssey by Homer, but I spell it the Odyssey. like the word The Odyssey is spelled. So it's like a play on words. And basically what I'm saying in the chapter is like, in order for me to tell you to be happy, I have to have some kind of sound reason for you to be happy or I'd be asking you to be crazy. You know, so if the world really is an awful place and it's never going to improve, for me to ask you to be happy would be a species of cruelty. But here's what the gospel teaches us. It shows us that there is enough logical, rational reason to be happy. And so once I lay that foundation, then I can help people kind of move emotionally in a more positive direction.
0: Mm. Tell us about the structure.
5: At the same same time, at the same time, accepting like the, the tension is you have to accept Negative feelings, if you start, like the danger of positive psychology is becoming intolerant to negative emotions. But that's not the right way to apply it. We need to be able to accept negative emotions as a first step actually toward positivizing our emotions. So there's kind of two things going on. One is the world is a dark and dismal place in many respects. There's sin that has come to this planet and caused devastation. We need to accept that at the same time we need to uh, move our emotions in the most positive direction possible mm,
0: absolutely yeah. a yeah. person let's say that a, a person uh, who is not a person of faith is reading this book are they still going to gain the same benefit from it um, i
5: think so because a lot of the scientific research that i cite is not taken from a faith standpoint i'll give you an example there was a guy out of the u of berkeley who has become the dwayne of what's called awe psychology because he has studied the experience of awe. And I'll tell you one study he did was he had a group of people look up at one of the very tall trees in California for a full minute. He had another group looking at a wall, and then he staged people walking past, dropping, falling on the ground and dropping a bunch of pens. They counted how many pens each respective group helped the people pick up and they found out that the people that had stared at the tree helped pick up more pens in other words they were more compassionate wow. and they tra- and they replicate this over and over again in different experimental studies and they show that when people experience awe they become more compassionate and other things so a lot of the research is not based in any kind of faith it's just showing how emotions work you know
0: it certainly shows that god created a world that was designed to um, to turn us towards positivity, and often we do so much to destroy that world and get rid of all of the things that uh, that create that sense of awe. I'd be interested to know just on that on that research whether uh, they you know because you can have a sense of awe looking at a tall building as well as a tall tree. Does it have the same effect? Um, you can have a sense of awe over something that is horrific, like a, a big bush bushfire. Can have a sense of, a certain sense of awe to it. But is very very negative. Um, were were there were there only certain type of things that produced a positive or effect?
5: He was very broad in what he used to produce the awe effect. So it would be a rock concert, it would be a tree, it would be this, it would be that. So I would be very interested in subsequent studies that refined the source of awe uh, to from things like nature, comparing things like nature with being in a sports stadium, for instance. But I don't think any of the things he used to produce our like scary awe uh, things. I think they were all like positive awe uh, things, yeah. at least so far.
0: Fascinating research. Yeah. Now, yeah. Jennifer, tell us about the structure of this book. It's it's called Thirteen Weeks to Joy. Um, yeah. Is it thirteen chapters? Is it thirteen steps? Is it thirteen uh,
5: chapters? Each chapter has questions at the end of the chapter that are like open-ended questions you can use in group dialogue or individual journaling and then the book references what I call the toolbox which are different tools like worksheets you can do that are all in the back of the book so you can do it like an individual growth journey you can do it like a group study manual it is being currently used in a number of different group studies uh, like support groups basically in the U.S. and you know who knows where but yeah so it's structured very much like a a workbook, um, starts out with a theodicy chapter. And then the second chapter is called dealings with feelings. That was my favorite chapter to write. It was just about the fact that we're made in the image of God and we have these amazing emotions and, you know, it's a great gift that we have emotion rather than feeling like, Oh, I need to deal with my emotions and make them go away. It's like, let's celebrate this thing. This is awesome. So I lay that foundation and then I go step by step through the different, emotional experiences we can have the ones that are the most common like for instance i have a chapter on loneliness and you know what to do with loneliness and how god can help us out of it and how we can actually connect with people and how loneliness can actually improve people's ability to form deep and meaningful relationships i know that's true in my case
0: yeah fantastic um jennifer we need yeah. to finish up but uh, how do we get hold of your book okay
5: uh, Amazon. And you can also go to my website, jenniferjill.org. Uh, the problem with my website is it's really expensive to ship overseas. So it would probably be better to try to go to the Adventist Book Centre somewhere in Australia and get them to ship it to you.
0: Okay. So that's uh, better, better Books and Foods in our region or Adventist Book Centre or amazon.com or was it org? was it? Yes. Yes, JenniferJill.org. So there's a number of different ways that you can access 13 Ways, ways to Joy. Uh, Jennifer Jill, thank you so much for joining us here on The Breakfast Show. Awesome. We'll be back after, the, uh, after this song, the 8 o'clock news, and we'll be back with Encounter with God. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM.
6: You've had enough, you've given up on love You think that you'll never trust, well I can see that your heart's been broken
1: At Anavantis Church in Newcastle, we have a food pantry service for the community.
2: Everyone is welcome to join us for a free dinner. Enjoy good company and have a great time.
1: All you need is $10 to buy a numbered ticket. And you can collect a trolley's load of food ranging from fruits, veggies, tinned food, pasta bread and toiletries.
2: Every Thursday, the food pantry starts at 4.45pm with a 5pm start for dinner.
1: Find us at Hamilton Adventist Church at 105 Lindsay Street, Hamilton, every Thursday evening.
2: All will be welcomed with love and a smile. We really hope to see you there.